for those that arrive in the second song or the third song, they're going to have to walk and we'll wait patiently for them to find their seat. <clears throat> so I, 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 re, I, I know that you can say this. Um, we, can, we can say, oh, no, I'm very excited. I am really excited about this morning. I feel God's going to do something that we need him to do that's beyond our ability to make happen on our own. And, and we, faith pleases God. So let's, let's trust God. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to, you know, I hope this pleases me. We, we're here for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I, I really believe this word's going to be um, good for us. So let's pray and trust God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living and active. I thank you this morning, or whenever people are watching this, or whenever you're listening to it, I thank you, Lord Jesus, there'll be a real touch from heaven. A divine exchange will take place today that we cannot deny was God. I thank you, Lord, that your word will be honored. I thank you, Jesus, that it will be, uh, you'll be glorified in every heart this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we started a series called Resolve, looking at our emotional health and the fact that God really cares about what we are going through. Whatever you are going through right now, God genuinely really cares. And I remember growing up, for me, I was an incredible warrior, right? Uh, I, I was the kind of warrior that worried about everything. I was, you know, everything was going to go wrong. I wasn't a warrior with an OE. I was a warrior with, I mean, I wasn't a warrior with an OE, not an AO. So I was the kind of guy that stressed about everything. And if there wasn't something to be anxious about, then I would be anxious about what I would be anxious about next because it would probably be something terrible, right? So when everything was going my way, I was worried about what was on the horizon. Um, and growing up, even if you didn't go to church, you would hear things like this, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, oh, remember that, right? Just, just, okay, some of you, and if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, <laughs> right? We would sing that. And I think, like, there's this immense pressure on me to be happy all the time, right? Uh, I, I have to be happy. I wasn't depressed, but I certainly was very anxious. Uh, and it, wasn't, uh, it was a, a permanent underlying way of life, fearing the what if, fearing the possible discomfort that my future might hold. And I lived with this weight of anxiety on me all the time. And then I went to Bible college. Years later, I went to Bible college. I didn't really grow. I sort of went to church when I was a kid, a little bit, sort of. And then high school happened, and I was nowhere near church. And then, and then God just arrested me during, um, I think it was matric, just after school. And then soon after that, I went to Bible college. And I just wanted to seek Jesus. All I wanted to do, I, I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted to walk in his ways. I wanted to understand him. I wanted him to reveal himself to me. The reality of Jesus in my life was overwhelming. It was awesome. And then as, a, as an anxious person, excited about the word of God, I remember reading the following scripture. And when I read the following scripture, two things happened to me. I'll read it to you now. Philippians 4 verse 7. I mean, Philippians 4 verse 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's amazing how when, when joy is distant, so is gentleness. 
Have you ever noticed that? When your joy is down, so is your gentleness, right? And, and it says here, rejoice in the Lord always, not occasionally or circumstantially, always. And again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It made me think that's awesome. Is scripture written ex- like directly for me? Something that I can read and go, that's written for me. Now I've got stepping stones at how to deal with my anxiety, which is a massive thing. Right? And at the time, I'd just gone to Bible college. My father had just passed away. The digs where I was living was sold, so I had nowhere to live. I just resigned from my job, so I had nowhere to, um, I had no income, and I was going to study, so I had no money, no transport, no home. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know how I was going to get around, and I didn't know how I was going to pay for anything, which added to my anxiety. You can understand the circumstance was difficult, but then I got this scripture saying, do not be anxious. The second thing the scripture did for me was this. The scripture says, do not be anxious about anything. And if scripture says, don't do something and I'm doing it, then I'm sinning. (laughs) So I thought to myself, before I was anxious about the fact that I have things to be anxious about, now I'm a sinful, anxious person. (laughs) Now I feel even worse about how I am, right? And if anxiety was a switch, I would turn it off, but I don't know how to turn it off. So therefore, I continue to walk around with my anxiety. Is not feeling anxious even possible? Um... How does anyone even go to checkers nowadays without getting anxious? <laughs> the other day, Paul and I went to checkers. We're leaving checkers, and there's two guys outside fist fighting each other. They are absolutely, they're just punching each other as we're driving up. And you think to yourself, these guys are full on fighting. At least one of them had a friend who had a gun, who was now pointing the gun at like, you know, like, and we think anxiety levels, boom. Finding a parking at checkers on any day, any, ever. Anxiety levels, right? Avoiding the angry brawlers, anxiety levels. The only thing rising faster than my anxiety is inflation, right? <laughs> Which raises my anxiety. Finding a parking, all of these things just make me anxious. Uh, you know, and then, and then uh, and I think to myself, if milk went up 50 cents a pop, <laughs> we can cope with it. But five rand a shot, like that's... It's, it's rising faster than my anxiety. Bills and kids and relationships and work and bad news. And then in the middle of all of that, there's a scripture that says, don't be anxious about anything. How? In 2019, a study done in the, in the States revealed that two out of three people said they were between anxious and extremely anxious. And this was before the pandemic. Since then, the numbers have skyrocketed. It has peaked significantly. In universities, 91% of students live in constant or heightened anxiety associated with stress. Surveys done with the young people so that they are the most educated generation with the least clarity on what they actually want to do. Right? So they're getting educated, but they don't know who they are, what they want to do, where to go, what to do next. They are getting married later. They are buying homes later, and the stress levels are pushing through the roof if they could afford one, right? So they are stressed out. Even our kids are dealing with overwhelming anxiety. And then a well-meaning Christian will say, you know, and I've done this too. I've done this. 
don't be anxious about anything. It's wrong. <laughs> Stop it. Stop being anxious. Uh, if you're happy and you know it, and boom! <laughs> and that's not what they would do, but inside they're thinking that. You tell me not to be anxious. You don't know my generation. So when it comes to anxiety, it can be an incredibly complex subject to deal with. And we all in different spaces. We're all on different levels when it comes to anxiety. We all have a different state of mind, different circumstances, chemical makeup. Our environment is different. Our history is different. It could be social anxiety where you go into a crowd and you just feel a little bit exposed and uncomfortable. Or it could be an absolutely overwhelming, crippling anxiety that makes it difficult to function. Wherever you are, God sees, God cares, and there are steps that we can take and will take to deal with our anxiety, right? So that God can see us walking free. Um, we, went, we want to trust God that, as I said right in the beginning, spirit, body, and soul, that we will have life flowing through us because it's really hard to be ambassadors of the good news when we're constantly crushed by bad news and then we go out just as anxious as the rest of the world. And Jesus is saying, go and reflect me with good news and I'm, I can't because I'm carrying bad news. Let's trust God to break through the bad news and reveal good news so that we can be ambassadors of the king and the kingdom. So today we're going to look at a man from scripture who had to deal with anxiety and how he dealt with anxiety. But before I do, I want to ask, answer the question, is it a sin to be anxious? Now, I might get some feedback on this that I'm going to, because it tells us in Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry about anything. In Philippians, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Uh, yet what if I am anxious and I don't know how to make it stop? Then what? Am I just living in a perpetual state of sin? How do I go to church with my anxiety knowing that I'm not allowed to be anxious about the, around the people who are of God? And therefore, I have to pretend not to be anxious so I can go be with the people that shouldn't be anxious. And therefore, I have to put on a mask, but it only raises my anxiety levels and makes me feel, surely this should be a safe space for people that are struggling with anxiety or pressure or stress. So I read a great theological study that breaks fear and anxiety into four categories depending on your context. Number one, if you're taking notes, it is a God-given emotional response for our benefit. Fear and anxiety can be a God-given emotional response for our benefit. Um, like if I'm walking down the road <laughs> and a wild or dogs come chasing after me with foam out their mouth and they are, you know, wanting to bite me, what are you going to do in that situation? You're just going to stay calm, do not be anxious, relax, breathe. No, I'm running for my life. I'm over a wall, up a tree. I am getting away from the dogs. I, I have this video I think might be completely inappropriate now. <laughs> oh, should I do it? Let's have a vote. Like the four naughty people in the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go for it, Tim. You don't get the emails. Uh, no, no, neither do I. Okay, it's this, it's this guy in the news who got attacked by a dog. And he expresses how the dogs attacked him and his wife. Have you guys seen it? Let's just, have we got it? Yeah, let's, let's watch it. Uh, I was on the fence on this one. They came bounding over. Now that was a different clip to the one I sent, but that's the same guy. Can you imagine, like, I mean, his wife's just standing there, like, you're on the news, 
they came bounding. And I'm not even going to do that. But if those dogs were attacking me, my stress levels go up a little, right? Fear kicks in. And the adrenaline is there to protect me. Anxiety would happen if I knew I had to walk past that house every day and the owner never closed the gate and those dogs had my number. Then I would be, you know, my anxiety levels are going to rise. This is a, it's a God-given response to deal with, uh, to enable our survival. The second one is a disordered physiological response that is not sinful. Right? Anxiety, a disordered physiological response that is not sinful. This is when there is a physiological malfunction that leads to constant anxiety which goes on for weeks and possibly months and interferes with our ability to function on a daily level. Uh, And I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, yet sometimes they are needed. Yet with God's help, he can lead us to the right people at the right time for the right treatment for the right time period. But I believe those things require the wisdom of God. They need him to speak into their context. The next one, anxiety could be a natural consequence of sin. In other words, I did this, and therefore this is the result. This is anxiety based on the consequences of my actions. And even here, God wants us to turn to him so that we can be free of that sin, forgiven of that sin, and walk away from the anxiety that it produced. So even there, God doesn't want us to carry that anxiety. We are not here to diagnose people or throw stones, especially when we don't know your history, context, or circumstances. We are here to point people to Jesus, to be a safe place where the love of God is experienced so that we can find freedom. The last one is this. Anxiety could be a sinful response to God's providential care. This is anxiety that comes from not trusting God. This is what Jesus, and this is what Paul was speaking into in these contexts. They were saying, you know, but what about, what about God providing for me? And he's saying this, do not doubt or question the character of God. God will protect you. He will provide you. He will provide for you. He will come through for you. Do not be anxious about those things because your loving Father in heaven knows and sees, and he's, he's going to look after you. So what happens is we can become anxious because we don't trust the character of God. Fear and anxiety are closely related, yet they are different. Fear is an emotional response to a real or perceived immediate threat. Anxiety is an emotional response to a real or perceived future threat. And a lot of people in our culture today are so afraid of what's coming that they are struggling to get through today. And I don't believe God wants us to carry unnecessary anxiety or any anxiety so to speak. When it comes to anxiety, we can't write it all off as sin. There are situations that can trigger an anxious response, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was in a very, very stressful situation. He knew that he was going to be betrayed, he was going to be beaten, he was going to be tortured, mocked, and crucified, and he was innocent, absolutely, and he never sinned. So he carried the weight of this thing. Ooh, my ears just went blocked. Luke 22, verse 42. And they opened. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I think that's what separates us from Jesus. We often like, I want my will. Jesus saying, but not my will, your will be done. Listen to this. Think about it. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. So an angel from God appears. Imagine an angel arrived in your life, visibly 
strengthening you. And after the angel, it says this, he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. So when it comes to anxiety, whatever the cause, real or perceived, we know that anxiety is a signal or a symptom. Taking notes, anxiety is a signal or a symptom. Uh, and what we can't do when it comes to the warnings on the dashboard, and we spoke about this last week, is we can't just stick tape over it and say, well, you know, I'll fake it till I make it. And then what we do is we fake it till we break it. So we think to ourselves, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm just going to ignore that. My body's telling me there's something I need to, to respond to, and I don't know how, and I don't know what it is, so I'm just going to ignore it and hope it goes away. When the warning lights come on on the dashboard, the problem is not the warning. So it's actually not a problem to have a signal or a sign saying something needs to be dealt with. It's when we ignore the root issue. And so anxiety is a signal that we need to address a root issue. And anxiety is the fruit issue. Are, are you with me? So there is a man from... Where have I already gotten there? Um, so <laughs> anxiety is a signal. Um, so when anxiety becomes a noticeable fruit, it means that we've got to deal with the root issue somewhere. So there's a man from the Old Testament, and his name is uh, Jehoshaphat. And we, this morning we're going to look at three things to do when anxiety comes your way. So if you are in a place today where you have something to be anxious about, this morning we're going to take steps to start walking away and out of that anxiety. And we're going to trust God for a divine exchange. So his name's Jehoshaphat, and he was the four, uh, a king of Judah in the 4th century. That's 800 and, 873 BC. And my son just walked in here now, and he's got like a bad toothache. And I was thinking about him last night because he was up and he was like, oh, his tooth's really sore. And, and I was thinking, Jehoshaphat, ima imagine living back in those days and you needed to go to the dentist. <laughs> Talk about anxiety levels, chisel and hammer. Now, uh, no, only one tooth is sore, but we got none, you know. Um, no charge for anesthetic. <laughs> Whiskey wasn't even invented yet. Uh, and, and we always think, I wonder what it, would have liked, what it would have been like to live back 800 years B.C. Until you need glasses or you need to go to the dentist, then all of a sudden you'd rather be living right now. Anyway, that's all absolutely irrelevant. Jehoshaphat's teeth were probably wonderful. So he was a good king. And he knew God and he trusted God, yet he found himself in a very real and difficult situation, which some of you might be in very real difficult situations. And in that space, his anxiety levels would have been very high. Judah at the time was under attack, not just from one opposing army, but from three armies all at the same time, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites. They were all coming against him at the same time. And how often do we say, why is it that things always go wrong in threes? Maybe superstitious. I don't know. When the fridge goes, the microwave and toaster are like, yeah, we with him. <laughs> we also, we on our way out. The, the car breaks down, the geezer bursts, and the pool leaks all at the same time. Or your boss is being impossible. Then you get a bill from SARS you didn't plan for, and then you find out that a loved one is sick. It, for some reason, we think all of these things seem to come at the same time. I can handle one at a time. But why is it that when things go bad, things seem to attack us all at the same time, right? I don't know if it's just me. Anyway, Jehoshaphat was an incredible, incredibly difficult space. And he knew this, that his life, and they were very cruel. 
to the kings that they caught back then. His life and the life and the lives of the people that he loved and led were in jeopardy. Very real threat. Anxiety levels, 10 out of 10. And this is how he responded. First thing he did, please, church, don't write these things off as we know already. Hear them. First thing he did, he prayed. Prayer is powerful. Prayer does make a difference. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1 to 3. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers, Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at that place, which is another name for another place. <laughs> Jehoshaphat was terrified by the bad news. He's terrified and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judea to start fasting. Anxiety is a call to pray. Anxiety is your mind's way of saying, pray time. Right? And here's how he prayed. Verse 6, 2 Chronicles 20. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when the people of Israel arrived? Did you not give them this land forever to be descendants for your friend Abraham? And I remember Raymond last week said, sometimes we've got to look back at what God has done and trust him for what he will do. Your people settled here and built the temple to honor your name. They said, uh, wherever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before the temple where your name is honored. And that's like us coming here this morning. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. Amen. This is another way of saying, Lord, please help me. I'm overwhelmed. It's too much. I can't handle it. I haven't got what it takes. I'm not strong enough. I can't do this on my own. Please, Lord, help me. Pray. There's a, a, a woman named Carolyn Leaf, and she's a neuroscientist who deals with neural plasticity and specializing in cognitive, meta, metacognitive neuropsychology. In other words, she's pretty smart, right? She's got a big brain. And she's also a Christian. She wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. And they actually study the brain, and they, I mean, she's a, a neuroscientist. She's an incredibly intelligent woman. She's a godly woman. And she says this in, her, in the book. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Last week, I spoke about a rut becoming a ditch, becoming a grave. And when we pray, not only do we connect with God, which is a wonderful thing, and it's relational, and it builds our relationship, but we also change the actual chemistry of our brains the neural plasticity of our brain begins to heal. So it's like neural plasticity, I think, sounds like Play-Doh. So the Play-Doh of our brain gets reshaped when we pray. And they can actually monitor it. So instead of our minds taking us to the wrong places over and over and over again, and it becomes easier and easier to think negative thoughts, we restructure our brain to take us to the right place. 
So it is scientifically, biologically, and spiritually beneficial to pray. And then in faith, we trust God that he hears our prayers and that he brings us the answers, that he answers our prayers, that he cares. So God, knowing this, he calls us and he says this, bring me your anxious thoughts. With thanksgiving, and when we do with deliberate intention and we are sincere about praying, we get transformed both mentally and spiritually. And I'd love to say that 12 seconds of prayer every other day in, the, in, the, in and amongst all of our stress will change our lives. But it's when we are intentional about connecting with God and talking to Him and including Him that transformation starts to take place. And it actually changes the physical makeup of our brain. Prayer is doing more in the spiritual and the physical than we understand. I think when we get to heaven, all of us will think, I wish I'd prayed more. Prayer carries power. And the good news is God cares. He's listening. And when we pray, so much is happening. The neural plasticity of our brain is getting reshaped to, you know, new pathways are being uh, formed. The word of God is living and active. And when we meditate, not just medicate, the word of God in its living presence, shapes us. And therefore, the things that we would normally go to that would make us anxious, all of a sudden don't make us anxious because we go to God and we understand that He's sovereign over our circumstance. Pronounce it, Mary, no means to dwell or ponder on fearful or anxious thoughts. And how many of us are dwelling and pondering on anxious thoughts? We're good at meditating on the worst stuff. And when we pray the truth of Scripture, find a Scripture... Take that scripture, write it out, go home today, get a piece of paper, write out the scripture, stick it up somewhere, and just say it over and over and over and over, and meditate on that scripture, and allow that scripture to start shaping the way that you think. Raymond shared a good one this morning, I, was, I just missed it, Philippians 4, we'll, we'll get there. Um, Lord, help us to filter out the lies from the truth, and to meditate on your word. Otherwise, we're going to meditate on the problems and get really, really anxious. So Jehoshaphat, he didn't read Carolyn Leaf's book, yet in faith he knew, Lord, you are there. You've been there for our ancestors. You're there for us now, and you will be there in the future. I have no choice. I'm overwhelmed. I'm anxious. I'm scared. I have no solutions. Our army's too small. We can't do this. So he prayed. And listen to what he prays. And how many of us can relate to this prayer? Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty armor. And my strength, I can do nothing. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you to help us. But we are looking to you for help. This is too much, Lord. I don't have the strength. I don't have the answers. I don't have the capacity. Lord, please help me. And God hears you. And God sees you. And God cares. And guess what? Sometimes when we say, I don't have what it takes, we write. Because God created us to actually need him. So it's not you failing because you should have handled it on your own. And God's like, why did you call me? I was busy with other things. God's like, actually, I designed you to need me. And your anxiety is just a reminder that I need to intervene. So 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What we need to learn is to stop casting our anxiety and then reeling it back in again. 
cast our problems, reel them back, and cast our problems with anxiety. I want to say this. If it matters to you, it matters to God. So, first thing he did is he prayed. And I've said it many times. You may think you're praying because you're worrying all the time, but you're not praying. You're just worrying. Um, number two. So, we bring when we are anxious, how did Jehoshaphat handle it? First he prayed, then he paused. I just read verse 12. I'll read it again, then verse 13. Ah, God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. All of the men of Judea stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. If you are anything like me, then when you've got a problem, the first thing you do is find solutions and you try and fix that problem. You know? You, you, you need a game plan. You need, you need stepping stones. I want to know when there's a problem, what is my solution to get that problem fixed? You know the phrase, don't just stand there, do something. And how many of us, there's a problem, I need to fix it, therefore I need to do something. Yet I have found that sometimes we find ourselves in situations where there is nothing that we can do but trust God. We've prayed, we've tried, we've cried. We've prayed and tried and cried again. There's nothing in us, and all we can do is let go and let God. Some of us are trying super hard to make a plan. And God's saying, let go now. And that doesn't mean do nothing. It means bring it to me. Trust me. My anxiety levels are at an all-time high. Lord, I am anxious. Circumstances are dire. Things are out of control. But God is still in control. And if we recognize in the pause of whatever you're going through right now, stop, let the dust settle. God is still sovereign. And he says this, Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. I will be honored in your circumstance. I will be honored in your struggle. I will be honored in your future. But be still. Pause. That means that we trust God even though we, we think things are out of control. We, faith is to say, Lord, things are out of control, out of my control, but they're in your control, so I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to trust you. So often, it's in that space of giving over the control that we hear the whisper of God, and he guides us as to what to do next. Not in our panic-stricken plan-making, if you're anything like me. Panic, make a plan, you know? It's in the eventually, I can't do it, Lord. There's nothing I can do but let go. All I can do is trust you now. I surrender. I submit myself to you. And in that place, the whisper of God comes and the peace of God falls on you even though things haven't changed. Let go and let God. And in this place, God guides us to the right people, the right help, the right therapy, the right process, the right mindset. There is power in prayer. There's power in pausing. Right now, as we pause, as we sit here, as you sit quietly, God is in control. He is sovereign. He has a plan for your life, and he knows exactly what you're going through. In this place of pause, God spoke to the people. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. Then he said, listen, all you people of Judea and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. 
Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I believe many people listening to this need to hear that. The battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. He is with you, City Hill Church. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. God is with you. So we pray, we pause, and listen to what God told Jehoshaphat to do next. And if you are at war at the moment and you're going through a battle and the problems are raging, how do we fight? What is our response to the circumstance? 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20 to, uh, to 25. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judea and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Believe that God is with you. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Where were the enemies? Still on the attack. Had God done anything yet? Nope. They were still under the attack. All God had done was spoken and all they could do was trust. They were in a place they had nothing but faith. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. The, laws, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Manseer to start fighting amongst themselves. There are enemies against your life. And when you start, you stop, you pray, you pause, and you start to give God the glory, the enemies start turning on themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mansia and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Sarah, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, can you imagine? Anxiety levels up here. They're praising God though. They're turning their hearts around. They haven't done anything. They've just arrived at the battleground. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as you could see, as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Not even one. King Jehoshaphat and the men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. Can you imagine? The war you are going through now will produce a plunder that is beyond the duration of the war itself. They did nothing. Call out to God. Pray. Pause. And the last thing they did, I'll carry on reading. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. They prayed. They paused. They praised. They praised before the victory. Have you seen your victory yet? Maybe not. They praised before the It's far easier to praise God when we are not anxious, when the bills are paid, when finances are great, when our health is good, when we feel in control and we've seen results. Then it's great and easy to praise God. 
So often we feel when things come right, then when my anxiety is gone, then I will give God my praise because then I'll be in a good sp- In the middle of the storm, we'll pray. We'll pause and we'll praise. Worship is our warfare. But my prayers haven't been answered yet. Pray. Pause. Praise. Uh, but I'm still sick. Pray. Pause. Praise. But things aren't better yet. Pray. Pause. Praise. When we trust God in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the war, in the middle of the trouble, in the middle of anxiety, we exchange our anxiety, our pain, and our problems for His peace. It happens. But we need to take a step. This morning in the prayer meeting, God was speaking to us. We need to take a step. And when we take a step out in faith, God will bring His peace to back it up. Um, what was the response of the people that prayed? When people are looking at the battle going over your life right now, and there's a whole bunch of people looking in, and they're curious as to what's the story, what happened, what's going to happen next. This is what happened. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 29 to 30. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. When people look at your life, and they have questions and concerns and criticism. And you trust God. You pray. You pause and you praise. Then all of a sudden they're going to go, oh wow. You know, God is with them. The fear of God will fall on them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. For as God had given him rest on every side. May God be glorified. Whatever you're going through, may God be glorified. Even if you're in the middle, middle of your battle right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pause. We're going to praise. Uh, The message that I'm sharing today um, is one that I've had to live. I understand that. I understand throughout my life, many seasons, I've been in situations where, and and I know being a naturally anxious person, sometimes we've got to get to a situation where we've got to let go and let God, where we've we've got to pray, pause, and praise, even though we haven't seen results. It's not a matter of talk. Uh, I want to say this. This church, God is taking us somewhere. God is doing something with us. We had a prophetic word saying that, that this, it's the river's been meandering, but it's going to go into an open space. I had another word saying that we're going to, like a one-lane road that's moving, and it's going to move into an open space. God is taking us into an open space, and we need to just trust God because he's doing something. And every single one of you has a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for your lives. And the war is to try and pick you off and pull you out. But let me tell you, we're going to trust God we're going to pray, we're going to pause, we're going to praise, and we're going to see what God does, not because of our strength, but because of His. Uh, no matter what happens, no matter what you are going through, God is faithful. He is our peace, He is our, he is our comfort, He is our strength, He is our God, and we can trust Jesus completely. Things may not always go according to plan, yet God is closer than we realize, and His plans will prevail. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, the reason I changed the order this morning was because we're going to praise now. And you might be in the middle of your war, and as you're praising this morning, the enemy's going to turn on himself, and things are going to, yeah, amen. So we, we, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not just going to sing songs to end the service. We are now going to have our battle cry worship. And whatever your circumstance, whatever your war, God is sovereign. 
God is victorious and God is in control. I want this scripture to be washed over you as you worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to go home and write down a scripture, Philippians 4, actually go from 4, verse 4, all the way through. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, you think about such things. And let's reshape and let God reshape our minds as we are praying people. Let's praise together.